0: Our text is Matthew chapter 13, the verses 18 through 23. Matthew thirteen, eighteen through 23. Christ's explanation of the parable of the sower. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, Immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some 60 some 30 so far the text after the sermon we'll sing hymn 61 1 2 beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ The parables were a way in which the Lord Jesus could make a theological point in a very vivid way. Everyone could relate to these parables. They consisted of an element taken from daily life and they made an important theological point. There are many parables which our Savior told and the Christian church has come to love those parables and to receive them in faith many of them are familiar to us certainly the parable of the sower is familiar to us and this parable stands at the head of several parables that our Savior told in Matthew chapter 13 and if you were to read through the rest of Matthew chapter 13 then you would see that this parable Standing at the beginning of those parables in Matthew 13 makes a very important point, a fundamental point that in one way or another arises in the case of the other parables. And that's this point. What are you doing with the word? That's what the parable of the sower is about. What are you doing with the word? That's how I want to formulate the theme this afternoon as I proclaim God's word to you about the parable of the sower. What are you doing with the word? As we focus on that, we'll know three things. First of all, the sower. Secondly, the seed. And thirdly, the soil. The parable of the sower. What are you doing with the word. We'll know the sower, the seed, and the soil. As I said, brothers and sisters, the Christian church has come to love the parables which our Savior told. But did you know that there is a downside to these parables? A downside. And that's because the Lord Jesus began to speak in parables when the people slowly but surely pulled away from him more and more. It was then that our Savior began to speak more and more in parables. As the people were pulling away from the Lord Jesus, as they were rejecting his message the Lord Jesus began to speak more and more in parables you can say that by means of these parables the Lord Jesus was withdrawing himself from the people because those parables required a measure of insight you had to reflect on them you had to think about them And when his own disciples asked the lord jesus why he was speaking parables the lord jesus explained we read in matthew 13 verse 10 and the disciples came and said to him why do you speak to them in parables and then our savior answered in chapter 13 verse 13 therefore i speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. I can put it to you like this this afternoon. The measure with which the people were rejecting the Lord Jesus would be the measure to which these parables would be a riddle to them. And so the Lord Jesus told this parable of the sower, we read in verse 3 behold a sower went out to sow you could just as well translate the sower went out to sow the sower and then you understand that the Lord Jesus was speaking about himself he was the sower he had been busy sowing among God's people he had been preaching the kingdom of heaven he had been calling people to faith and repentance he had been performing all kinds of miracles which were intended to underline the gospel of the kingdom he was showing God's people what the kingdom of God was all about that it was about restoring wholeness that it was about restoring lives that it was about renewal And through it all, the Lord Jesus was calling God's people to faith. Faith in Him. He was calling them to recognize Him as the promised Savior. The fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies. He was calling them to see in Him the Savior from all the brokenness of life in this fallen world the Savior whom God had sent to save from sin and death and the grave. The Lord Jesus had been sowing, but the reaction had been so different. Some believed. Many didn't believe. They didn't recognize the Lord Jesus as the Savior. And the occasion of this parable is clearly delineated because we're told that this occurred on that day. On the same day, Matthew 13, verse 1, what day would that have been? Well, that was the day on which those events of Matthew 12 took place. Those gripping events. The Lord Jesus had healed a man with a withered hand. He'd done that on the Sabbath. He'd done that as a revelation of the fact that he had been sent by God to give people rest from sin and all the brokenness caused by sin. He healed the man. And the Lord Jesus had healed that demon-possessed man who was also blind and mute. But the Pharisees had rejected all of that. They had conspired to kill Christ after he healed the man with the withered hand. And after the Lord Jesus healed that demon-possessed man, the Pharisees turned it all upside down and said, He does that because he's in league with the devil. Matthew 12 was also the chapter in which the Pharisees asked for a sign from heaven. Show us a sign, they said, that we may know that you really are who you claim to be. Something very spectacular, as if the Lord Jesus hadn't done enough. All those miracles that attested to divine power, they wanted something special, a sign, whatever it might have been. Maybe the name of Jesus written in the sky. Maybe something in the constellation of the heavens. A sign. Because they were rejecting what Christ was preaching. And they were rejecting the miracles that Christ was performing. And all of that had an impact on the people. They too... We're drawing away from the Lord Jesus. Those events of Matthew 12 inspire the Lord Jesus to speak this parable. Christ is the sower in the parable, but the church is still sowing today. the lord jesus is no longer here but he has commissioned the church to sow and so we read at the end of the gospel of matthew in chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 those well-known verses that took place sometime after the resurrection and before the ascension of our savior into heaven we read these words go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them into the name of the father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Our Savior spoke those words to His disciples as the nucleus of the Christian church. He gave that great commission to the church to go out with the gospel, to sow the word. And we hear the Savior saying the same thing At the occasion of his ascension into heaven, as recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, where we hear Jesus saying, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Three spheres Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The church was commissioned by Christ to sow the word. It's very important for us to realize this afternoon that the church sows within the church and outside of the church. The church sows the word and calls people to faith. And I want to emphasize this afternoon that the church sows within the church. Not because what happens outside is unimportant, it is. But sometimes we think that this parable. Is only about what happens out there. But the Lord Jesus spoke this parable to God's own covenant people, to the church, the people who had been circumcised, the people who had the promises. And so today, the church preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to its own members, to those baptized, to those raised in the church, because we need to believe to be saved. In Christ's own day, God's covenant people said, we are the descendants of Abraham. All is well. We are members of the covenant community. And to say it in our language today, we are members of a true church. All is well. Well, all is not well unless you believe. And the Lord Jesus spoke this parable of the sower to God's own covenant people. That's how it comes to you this afternoon. You're not saved because you were baptized X number of years ago. You are not saved because you are a member of this particular church, which we confess to be a true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are ultimately saved because you believe. And that's what makes this parable of the sower so urgent for us today. The church calls to faith, and so we come to the seed the seed that's the word of the kingdom in verse 19 we read when anyone hears the word of the kingdom so that's the seed and what is the word of the kingdom it's the gospel of salvation It's that gospel which Christ himself proclaimed, that he is the promised Savior, that in him we have the forgiveness of our sins, that in him we have reconciliation with God. It's the gospel which the Lord Jesus underlined by his miracles, which showed that he had come into this world to bring restoration. In him we have newness of life and wholeness of life. And that's what the church proclaims to this day. It's the gospel of salvation. And when you follow the apostles, as it were, in the book of Acts, you hear them preaching Christ crucified and risen the one who was nailed to the cross because of our sins and the one who arose from the grave as the victor over sin and death. That was the message. And the call to faith was to believe that. And when you read the letters of the New Testament, that's the message. Christ crucified and risen. That's what the church proclaims to this very day. And the church tells people, both within the covenant community and outside in the world, that salvation is by grace through faith. And that's why the Lord Jesus spoke about the soil. Because the Word needs to fall into good soil. There are all kinds of different soils. But the Word must fall into good soil, and it must produce that response. The response of faith. So our Savior told this parable of the sower. And he spoke about the soils. And there are four different kinds of soil. But I want to make very clear now that there's no fatalism involved here. The Lord Jesus spoke about these soils as a warning, as a call to to engage in some introspection. to reflect on what kind of soil we are there's no fatalism here as if the Lord Jesus was saying well there's this kind of soil and that kind of soil and and you are what you are and and that's the way it is God has foreordained everything that's not the way it is the Lord Jesus did not speak this parable with some kind of fatalism the lord jesus spoke this parable as a call to faith as a call to examine ourselves that's very clear from how the parable ends in chapter 13 verse 9 we read he who has ears to hear let him hear and the lord jesus did not speak those words of verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The Lord Jesus didn't speak those words only to the disciples as part of the explanation of the parable. He spoke those words to the crowd, to those people among whom many of them were rejecting him, including the Pharisees. He said, He who has ears, hear let him hear and yes the Holy Spirit is the one who works in our hearts and who leads us to faith but the Bible also calls us to faith we are called to believe and the Lord Jesus told this parable so that we might examine ourselves and so that we might heed that call to believe but again The degree to which people were rejecting the lord jesus would be the degree to which this parable would be a riddle to them and so the lord jesus spoke about the soil or the seed that fell on the path that's a description of the unresponsive heart in those days the sower would go out and He'd have a bag slung over his shoulder in which he'd have the seed and he'd walk through the field and he would would reach into that bag and he would throw the seed into all the different directions and the seed would fall on the ground. In those days, there were paths in the fields. The farmer had to walk on those paths as he spread the seed so some of the seed would fall on those paths and the soil was hard it was compacted and and the seed wouldn't penetrate into the soil and 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 the birds would come and they would pick that seed away and and nothing would happen The Lord Jesus is talking about the unresponsive heart it's the hard heart the seed falls into that hard heart and and the heart doesn't grasp it, it doesn't understand it. The Lord Jesus says, this is the heart that does not understand it. It's the heart that doesn't even take the time to reflect on it. And nothing grows. And that makes us ask some questions. Do we listen in church? Or does it just bounce off us? Is it in one ear and out the other? Has the message already been lost by the time we walk out the front doors? When we're reading the Bible at home, are we paying attention? Does it land in us? The Lord Jesus implies, if not, something about that then the Lord Jesus spoke about the seed that fell on the rocky ground that's the impulsive heart we shouldn't think of that rocky ground as as soil mixed in with stones or stones mixed in with that soil We should think of that as a thin layer of soil over a a thick layer of rock. The seed lands there. There's very little room for roots. There's very little for the soil to retain moisture. And so the seed has only one way to go, and that's up. And before you know it, there's a plant, and it looks good. But because there's no depth of soil no root no moisture when the sun shines on it it withers and it's gone and this is a picture of the impulsive heart the message is heard it's received Gladly and impulsively, there's that initial excitement, there's that initial enthusiasm, there's that initial rush, but there's no depth. And when tribulation arises, when problems arise because of the gospel, or even when life just goes back to its normal routine, when that initial rush of knowing Christ disappears and you're back into your ordinary daily routines, then it all kinds of, it kind of fizzles out. It disappears. And that's temporary faith. It resembles true faith. But it isn't true faith, it's temporary. And I think of Lord's Day 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is true faith? You all know the answer. It's a sure knowledge and a firm confidence that language speaks of being rooted. That's the real thing and that makes us ask some questions is there depth to our faith are we cultivating depth are we faithful in church attendance do we read the Bible at home do we read good Christian literature are we trying to to deepen our faith to increase our theological awareness if not the Lord Jesus implies, do something about that. And then our Savior spoke about the seed that fell among the thorns. That's a picture of the preoccupied heart. A little plant started to grow, and it started to grow up but then it was choked out by the thorns that's a picture of the preoccupied heart the person is is absorbed by the cares of this world and the person is carried away by the desire for riches these things begin to take precedence in the lives of that person and Before you know it, it's choked out the word. That can lead to someone leaving Christianity entirely. That can lead to someone leaving the church entirely. But it can also lead to someone staying with the church, but having the appearance of godliness while denying its power. Let's call it nominal Christianity. And that makes us ask some questions. Do we have more time and interest and energy for the things of God or for our own pleasures, the things we like to do? Nothing wrong with those things that we might like to do. Don't misunderstand me. But what takes precedence? Where's our main interest? Where's our main energy? Where does the most of our time go? I want you also to notice that the Lord Jesus speaks about the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, it all looks so attractive and there's a tremendous allure, but do we realize that all those good things that we may be privileged to enjoy in this life are fleeting? We can't hold on to them one day we'll die and they'll slip from our hands we leave them all behind and then the key thing is was Jesus Christ your priority It can even be simpler because the Lord Jesus speaks about the cares of the world. These are our daily commitments. All the things we have to do. Dad has to work hard. Maybe he's got to work overtime. There are lots of bills to be paid. There are a lot of Christian commitments. And mom is busy with the children. There's this appointment and that appointment. All good things. But sometimes our lives can be so crowded by those legitimate things the things of our daily existence that there's little time and energy and interest for the things of God and all those good things crowd out the word we become preoccupied and the Lord Jesus implies Do something about that and then the Lord Jesus speaks about what we would call the responsive heart the seed fell in good soil a well-prepared soil and a plant grew and became strong that's a picture of the responsive heart the person hears the word of Christ the person embraces the Lord Jesus Christ in true faith and the Lord Jesus becomes the center of that person's life. And there's a harvest. The harvest of a life lived for Jesus Christ. And our Savior speaks of a harvest of a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. It's very striking. There's a variety in the harvest. And I think that that impresses upon us, brothers and sisters, that this life is not perfect. And so the harvest will be like this for some and like that for others. But there's a harvest. And there's got to be a harvest. That's a picture of the responsive heart. And that forces us to ask some questions. What kind of soil are we? Have we embraced the Lord Jesus Christ in true faith? are we good soil do we have that triple knowledge of sin salvation and service those three things that the Heidelberg Catechism emphasizes as the three things that we must know in order to live and die in the joy of the faith do we focus on that salvation from sin that we have proclaimed to us in the gospel And do we strive to live a service, a life of service to Jesus Christ in gratitude? Are we living for Christ? And you might think this afternoon, boy, that was simple. And it's a very simple parable a very simple message but it's crucial it's a simple parable and it's a simple message but it is the all-important question what are you doing with the word amen